Want to introduce yourself? Hey, Say what up. Say what up. Huh? Say what's up. You, which card? You on? You on your father's podcast? Say what up. What's going on, y'all? Name Kyle. I'm here at the Yankee Stadium with my pops. Even though he's a Mets fan, we gotta come out with this dog. Yeah. <laughs> As you can tell, he's delusional. <laughs> Like father, like son, eh? <laughs> I'm the best in the world at what I do. I've been the best since day one. On this microphone, in the booth, in my bed, I live it. I breathe it. I am What up, people? Welcome to another edition of the Salty Door to Donnie Oo podcast. Featuring the one and only Donnie Oo. Best award of what he does. How's everyone? How's everyone been? I've been great. Yeah, I know. It's been about two weeks since you heard some Salty Door to Donnie Oo. I, well, I kind of did tell you, you know, depending on my mindset, at the end of last week, whether or not I was going to drop last week. And you know what happened at the end of last week? You know how I was feeling at the end of last week? Guess what? <laughs> Felt like I didn't feel like recording the episode. So I did. Plus, I was going on vacation. And I'm still on that said vacation as we speak. But I'm about to get off vacation in about a couple of days and have to go back to the shoot job. So I figured, uh, well, you know, I got some idle time in my hands and um, I got to get back in the swing of things. So I might as well make some good use of this time and give y'all a brand new episode. So voila, here the fuck it is. <laughs> you know, um, this week. I'm going to let y'all know exactly what the hell is on tap this week. I will be giving a recap, a quasi-recap, of the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 56, that happened this past Sunday, in which the Los Angeles Rams beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Much to my dismay, much to my displeasure, and much to my 
unfortunate balance dwindling because I, Donnie Oo, placed numerous bets on the Cincinnati Bengals to win. And there's uh, huh, some interesting backstory to that. So, yeah, I'll be giving a quasi-recap. And the reason I say quasi is because it just seems like Sunday has been so far in the past. It seems like it's been more than less than a week. And I guess whatever hypeness I had coming off the game has subsided. And uh, normally I would just say, you know what, fuck it. I'll give you about three minutes of a Super Bowl talk and going with the rest of my podcast. But being the fact that I've been giving and focusing my podcast directly and specifically on the NFL playoffs, what kind of recap, what kind of coverage would it be if I didn't cover the biggest game of them all? Go figure. So yeah, I'll be talking about the Super Bowl. I'll be also sprinkling my salty thoughts on the trade that happened last week between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets in which the Sixers sent Ben Simmons' ass to Brooklyn and Brooklyn sent James Harden's ass down I-95 directly to Philly. There's a lot of shit that's come out after that trade because y'all know usually after the trade happens, especially if one of the people with disgruntled going into said trade, there's a lot of skeletons that come out. And boy, did a whole bunch of skeletons drop out the fucking closet concerning none other than James Harden. So yeah, I will be giving my thoughts on that. Unfortunately, as much as I don't want to, I will be discussing the misfortunes of my New York Knickerbockers, who are currently nine games under 500, currently in 12th place in the Eastern Conference, and currently at the furthest recesses of my mind because I just want to forget the fact that I am such a New York Knickerbockers fan. Also, the reason I'm going to talk about them is to kind of massage my guilt on the fact that I got a sideboard by the name of Golden State that will be giving me relations, hopefully, to the end of June. So, I figured I could devote a couple minutes on the misfortunes of my New York Knickerbockers and a certain rumor that's surrounding the New York Knickerbockers. Yeah. And last but not least, I... We'll give y'all another edition of the rapidly becoming popular, the rapidly popular segment, the best segment of all time. They fuckers are trash. Featuring numerous, numerous contenders. And as always, there's always a dark horse contender lurking in the background, waiting, waiting to strike. Waiting to claim that title. Atrocious. Well, you know. Whatever. Yeah, so that's what's on tap this week. Before we get to the shits, 
I have an announcement to make. Even though it seems like announcements come and go at a whim. Remember, before my hiatus, I asked the masses for some feedback on um, when I should drop this said podcast. Should I continue dropping it on Wednesday or should I move it to the end of the week on Saturday due to the end of football season? I remember I gave the masses three outlets to contact yours truly. You know, Instagram, you could have inboxed me at Donnie O. You could have emailed me for all the business types out there at Donnie.O at gmail.com. Yeah, let me spell it out for you. D-O-N-N-I-E dot O-O-H-H at gmail.com. Yeah. And I even invited y'all to sneak into my DMs on Twitter at Donnie O. So imagine my surprise. Imagine my surprise that during my hiatus, you know, and gearing up to return to the throne. And I checked these three outlets and all three outlets are empty. Well, empty concerning feedback to the question that I had at hand. Disappointed. Upset. Maybe, possibly. But, regardless, I was forced to make an executive decision and the executive decision is the following. The salty thoughts of Donnie Ooh will be moving to Saturday night Slash early Sunday morning. Yeah, late Saturday night slash early Sunday morning. So, beginning this week and for the weeks to come, if you're expecting or you're looking for a new episode of the Salty Thoughts of Donnie Ooh, you can start your week. With the offering of salty thoughts, late Saturday night slash early Sunday morning. Yeah. So, I think that's what's... Oh, yeah, I got one other thing. Because between this here episode that you're listening to now... And next week, I'll be dropping a bonus episode. And no, it would not be a sprinkle of salt. But it will be an episode specifically to get my wrestling shit off. Because it's been a while. So, yeah. There's so much shit that's happened. And there's so much shit that I need to get off my chest. And damn it, that's what the fuck I'm going to do. To tie everything together, there is a term in the world of wrestling called a heel turn. A heel turn is when the supposed hero, the supposed man of virtue, decides to give 
his adversary, or his supposed friends, his ass to kiss in numerous ways. Maybe he stabs him in the back. Maybe he just curses him out. Maybe he just says, you know what? I know we a team, but I need to look out for a number one. Those are just numerous examples. My brother, Dark Mojo King, has exhibited heel turns of his own. If you don't believe me, check out his podcast, especially his latest couple episodes, Hidden Gems Golf, a part of the 19 Media Group. Yeah, early plug. I, Donnie O, have always been fond of heel turns. Some say that I have exhibited some of my own, or at least had or at least have heel attributes. I've always loved the heels. Starting back in 86, when Mr. Wonderful turned on that racist-ass Terry, oh my bad, Hulk Hogan. You can go past, matter of fact, the next one. 1989, when that racist-ass Terry had lusted his eyes for Elizabeth. And... He caused the macho man Randy Savage to be filled up with jealousy. And that jealousy turned to anger. And that anger lashed out at racist ass Terry. Oh, my bad. Hulk Hogan. Yes. We could go back to 1996, the summer of 96, when racist ass Hulk Hogan got tired of feeling the fans' vitriol for being. A lying sack of shit. And proclaiming his love for all the Hulkamaniacs out there. When deep down inside, he knew he only wanted, he only liked certain little Hulkamaniacs out there. But neither here, there, neither here, there. That's a tangent. He decided to tell his faithful, to tell all the Hulkamaniacs out there to stick it, brother. We fast forward to the fall of 96. We're Brett the Hitman Hart. Paragon of Virtue himself, from Canada. Came back to the World Wrestling Federation. And he came back to a federation that had changed. Had changed, I said. A budding superstar by the name of Stone Cold Steve Austin started galvanizing the masses through his devil may care attitude, through do anything but win attitude. And when Bret Hart went against Stone Cold, much to Bret Hart dismay, the masses, the crowd chose to back. The dastardly stone cold. Bret Hart never changed. The fans changed. The masses changed. Bret Hart said, you know what? Screw you. U.S. I am a hero to the rest of the world. The U.S. Y'all scum. And to his credit, 
He never changed. He said, you know what? Since y'all wanted to root for this nasty hyena by the name of Stone Cold. He said, two can play that game. Y'all want to boo me? Fuck y'all. And that new attitude garnered Bret Hart two additional World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship reigns. I loved the heel turns. My favorite heel turn currently is the Tribal Chief. Roman Reigns, the head of the table. Once he stopped giving a fuck about what the crowd was saying, you know, the ones that was kind of saying Roman must die. Roman became the head of the table, truly. Yeah, I know that shit came out of all left field. But yeah, that's just a taste. That's just a taste of what's to come on the wrestling edition of the Salty Daughter Donnie U podcast later on this week. But for now, let's get to the shits and let's get this shit on the road. Huh? Without further ado, good night mwah, and goodbye. Bang! 888-729-3776. That's our telephone number. We're going to talk about what happened in the warriors Mavericks game in just a second. But first, let's take a phone call. Wallace from Brooklyn. Thanks for calling the right time. Yeah, hi, Bermani. I love your show. Mm-hmm. But I I, 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 I noticed, you know, you never properly apologized to us Alex Smith fans. I mean, you know, you, you've made some really bad remarks, and, and I think I speak for all of us where uh, you, never, you never actually said you were wrong, and Alex Smith is a top three quarterback now. Yeah, let me say something to all you Alex Smith fans, okay? Stop being mediocre at your lives and get better. I'm out here every day being excellent. I don't ask y'all once to apologize for the fact that y'all are so rinky-dink and mediocre. So until you want to apologize to my excellence for your mediocrity, Alex Smith gets nothing. The top quarterback who leads the league in quarterback rating this year? Yeah, that's good for him. That's good for him. And you want an apology. You realize how mediocre you have to be to want an apology for somebody else? So, like, have you been mediocre your whole life? Because, like, Alex Smith has been mediocre for 12 years in the NFL and is doing pretty well in his 13th. Have you also been mediocre for 12 years and in the 13th you may be doing your best? Or is the 13th going for you the same way the 12 previous ones did before and you just want to get some shine off Alex Smith? Because I feel like he's the mascot for the mediocre, Wallace. Are you, are you really going to be following behind the mascot for the mediocre? mediocre. Huh? I've always put him in the top ten, so I never root, I never would call him. Oh, open. oh, my fault, my fault. We're just doing this for blind people. Like, look, I'm gonna just tell you this, man, because I want the best for you, right? My brother taught me this a while ago. Do one excellent thing per day. Go out of your way to do one excellent thing per day, and then from there you can rise above your mediocrity. And the excellent thing that I would recommend that you do is watch more football. Then you won't say nothing silly like that again. Appreciate the call. 888-729-3776. That's our telephone number. Shannon was a harsh. No, I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, yeah, no, it wasn't harsh at all. I will say that's a little unlike um, most of the Alex Smith stands. I was curious what Brooklyn was calling, weren't you? Right, absolutely. When I saw that Brooklyn, I was like, I was getting ready for Canarsie or something. Right, I was like, you yeah. mean like, like I was thinking, so like, are you like from the, are you like from Brooklyn, but you moved to Long Island? <laughs> right. Is, is that from, what this is? Was he from Fort Hamilton? I was just getting ready for it. <laughs> no, where, where he would be from now, Shannon, is Williamsburg. Williamsburg is this big, broad heading for Brooklyn you can go to. That little excerpt was a clip 
from my coworker, my friend um, that passed away last year, immediately after the Super Bowl loss of the Kansas City Chiefs. Wally was a lifelong Kansas City Chiefs fan. He lived and died for them. From the time I met him, he was he was banging that drum for the Kansas City Chiefs before they even sniffed the Super Bowl. So imagine my surprise when I had a conversation with him. Actually, when we started becoming friendly, because we had worked together, but we started becoming friendly. And he chose to share that clip with me. And um, so I'm listening. I listened to it back then, and I was laughing. I was like, man, I was just... Actually, when I was looking for the clip, I was looking in my text messages from back then. And I was like, man, he was cold. He was real cold on it. And then I started listening to it to get it ready for inserting into this podcast. And I listened to it a couple times. And I started thinking, I'm like, man, but Monty's on some bullshit. Think about it like this. This dude, what? He lived in North Carolina. He lived in Georgia, Atlanta. I think he lived in Louisiana, possibly. But regardless, he lived in the South the majority of his life. He got the big bag from ESPN due to his hard, diligent work. I would take nothing from that man. It's about to get this new show popping on HBO. Salute. But back to my original point. This man... Spent the majority of his life down south. And because he spent the fucking quick New York minute in the Rotten Atham, in Gotham City, he has the audacity, he has the temerity, he has the arrogance to fucking try to clown someone on how they talk or how they sound, being that the fact that they originate from Brooklyn. Do you not know Brooklyn is a multifaceted fucking borough? We got our thugs. We got our educators. We got our lawmen. We got our straight straight arrows. And we got our crooked motherfuckers. We're, we're actually the real fucking melting pot of New York City. Actually, we're the real fucking melting pot of the fucking world. And because... My man Wally didn't sound like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? What's going on? What's good? Huh? 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 Or because he didn't sound like he didn't. Or because he didn't sound like the, ter- the stereotypical dude. This motherfucker going to talk about, yeah. I was wondering, what kind of Brooklyn was he from? I think he's from Williamsburg, a.k.a. The part of Brooklyn where everybody's welcome. Man, maybe your black ass is welcome in Williamsburg. My black ass isn't. Trying to go to Williamsburg is like walking in the fucking village. Matter of fact, the village is passe now because Williamsburg took it over. We got this dude that lives in Harlem thinking he's pro-black. Not realizing Harlem been gentrified about 15 years ago. Anyway, sorry for my rant. But the clip that you just heard was from Wally, and I decided, and I felt like I needed to let the masses, to share with the masses, Wally, in his true essence.
You know, something just happened to me right before I pressed the record button and I didn't give enough time for it to get out my consciousness. So I'm going to share it to y'all because I share everything with y'all. Well, for the most part, I just got a, like a notification for a bill that I thought I paid. And uh, when I was looking at my little balance, I was like, okay, well, you know, I got X amount, blah, 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 put this, put that, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I'm looking at the budget and I'm like, okay, thinking I paid it. And I did it. Meaning I spent the equivalent of a bill someplace that wasn't a bill. Ooh. And it ain't no rigor room. It's like, yeah, hey, I got to pay that shit. Ooh. You know what you you know you know what that feeling likens to me? You know what it feels like to me? It feels like the feeling I had this past Sunday at the conclusion of the Super Bowl, which saw the Los Angeles Rams be victorious against the Cincinnati Bengals. Don't you know these mother effers came back? From 10 points down, what, they were, what, it was 16-6, 20 to 10, something like that. All I know is I'm watching the first half, and I'm going to mix this recap with Donnie's got a gambling problem. I'm going to mix it, mix in my little gambling follies that left your man in the red after this weekend. Anyway, Odell Beckham started the game off. The Rams was carving up the Bengals D. Odell had two catches, 54 yards and a touchdown. And it looked like my prop bet for Odell gaining the most yards out of all receivers was going to come to fruition because I knew coming into the game, Cincinnati was going to focus their defensive attention on Cooper Cup, the third place runner up for NFL MVP. Do you know this man had... I believe 38 receptions for over 300, close to 400 yards and a handful of touchdowns in the postseason, which is the most ever in each category, receptions, yards, and touchdowns. Like, he was the Los Angeles Rams offense. And he was carving them up. Matter of fact, Odell was carving them up, especially due to the fact of all the attention that was on Cooper Cup. So imagine my horror when Odell went down with a non-contact knee injury in the second quarter with them being up 14-3. And I'm looking, I'm like, 
bit of sorrow actually came over me, which shocked the hell out of me. You want to know why? You want to know why? Because I've never been the biggest Odell Beckham fan, OBJ fan. Unquestionable is his talent. I never liked his theatrics on and off the field. Not so much personal life, because you never heard Odell get really getting into nothing. Besides that photo a couple of years ago where the uh, the groupie took a picture of some cocaine in the background. Odell had looked like he had a roach of a blunt in his hand. But besides that, you haven't heard nothing about Odell. Everything else has been prima donna, wide receiver bullshit. So, with all the bullshit that all the all the arrows that were thrown his way in his last couple of years in in New York and his duration of time in Cleveland, in which they released him unceremoniously, and which he got picked up by the Los Angeles Rams and commenced to show out, and the he he looked like he was on the verge of having a Super Bowl for the ages. And trust you and me, you wouldn't have been able to tell Odell not a damn thing. But for him to go down on a previously injured knee and speculation is the fact that he tore his ACL for the second time, the second time in three years. Matter of fact, the second time in two years. So... For the fact that he was having such a great game and he went down and the and the adversity that he overcame in the last year and a half. I felt bad. I really felt bad. That was the humanitarian part of me. The gambler part of me was pissed the fuck off. I put damn. I only do I, I a dime on, on, on Odell for that for that prop bet. But that dime was going to yield me 130 bucks. Now, you combine that with the numerous pop bets and the actual bet, well, the three bets on the Cincinnati Bengals to win the Super Bowl. And if Cincinnati would have won and Odell wouldn't have got hurt, Donnie probably would have won over $500. Might not be much to all these gambling aficionados out there, but $500 and $500 in my book. And with the way inflation is going and with the, with the price of fucking lump crab meat, <laughs> fucking ground beef, fucking oxtails, even though I don't fuck with oxtails, but you get the drift. $500 will go a long way. Matter of fact, it won't go a long way. It'll probably go about five minutes in the supermarket. But I digress. Regardless, it would have been a come up for me. Funny thing happened when Odell went down. The Los Angeles Rams had no backup plan. Cincinnati was stuffing their run. For some reason, they acted like Sony Michelle was not a part of the team anymore. You had Henderson back. He was getting stuffed. Yeah, Cam Akers didn't, couldn't find a slight crack of daylight in the fucking trenches. 
Koopa Cup was covered. It, but it, was he really covered? But regardless, he was double and triple teamed. And then the first play of the second half offensively, it goes, matter of fact, was it the second half? No, it's the second quarter. The first play with the back of right receiver for the Rams, he allows a Matt Stafford pass to go off his hands into the awaiting arms of a Cincinnati Bengals defensive player that led to points. And at that point in time, when Cincinnati takes the kickoff, the the second half kickoff down the field, and then they get the turnover, but they're not able to actually score a touchdown on that drive. They had to settle for three. But when they lead off the second half with 10 straight points, 10 unanswered points, I knew in my heart, and I'm looking at my fucking bet sheet, my bet slip, and I'm like, yeah, man. Now, I'm not going to lie. This Super Bowl was not the most exciting Super Bowl ever. Yeah, you had a late game-winning drive to win the game. You had a spectacular back-to-back defensive plays by Aaron Donald to seal the victory. But it was not, I repeat, was not an exciting Super Bowl. It was so much not an exciting Super Bowl that I must confess that I fell asleep midway through the third quarter. No matter of fact, beginning of the fourth quarter, and I woke up about 10 minutes after the broadcast was gone off. So I actually did not see the Los Angeles Rams fight valiantly from behind and snatch defeat. No, snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. I did not witness that. I woke up, it was 10.30, and I was like, oh shit. I fell asleep. I looked at my phone. I didn't see no notifications for cha-ching. I saw a notification for Matthew Stafford leads game-winning drive. I saw a notification for Cooper Cup was Super Bowl MVP. So I deduced that, oh shit, the Rams came back and won. Fuck. This is some BS if there was one. Not only did I fall asleep on the Super Bowl, which was bittersweet in itself, not only did your boy Donnie lose multiple bets, the Odell Beckham bet, the three Bengal bets, I bet the Bengal money line and the over, I bet the Bengals money line and the under, I bet the Bengals money line straight up, lost all three. Lost the Odell Beckham one. Lost the 
Matter of fact, the only one that I actually won, the only one that I actually cashed in on is Cooper Cup scoring a touchdown in the first half and scoring a touchdown in the second half. I ended Sunday minus $65. So minus $65. And you add that with the minus 17 from Championship Sunday. And your boy Donnie ended the playoffs minus what? $82. I'm still up. Total in the in the, in the which go in the uh in the balance in the deposit, cause I've yet to deposit one fucking penny in the last year and a half. But my little toy uh my little my little toy chest is um rapidly dwindling, and with the end of football season coming to an end, now I have to wonder. All right, well, what am I going to risk my coins on? Hmm. Baseball season got pushed back. Football season is gone. I mean, I could do some futures, but who in the hell would do that? Especially being the fact that there's no draft yet. Free agency hasn't started yet. You never know when Tom Brady's going to bring his ass out of retirement. Is he really retired? Who the fuck knows? So why would I do that? And basketball, eh, well, there's All-Star, there's All-Star Weekend. All-Star Weekend this weekend. So, hmm. But yeah, this 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 past Super Bowl was was eh. It was alright. It was alright. You know? I mean there was there was a lot of things missing personally. A lot of things missing. Um We used to have a tradition in my house. Especially when my when my when my children were young. Whenever I was off on Super Bowl Sunday, which is actually more often than not, considering my place of business, or should I say, AKA my true job. But anyway, anytime I was off on Super Bowl Sunday, even though the missus, AKA the sponsor of this here podcast, the Lewis Snapback Box, only available. In my apartment, more specifically, in my bed for over 27 long years. Even though she doesn't like football. That was the one Sunday that Donnie Ooh was like, you know what? Dinner's on me. And when I meant dinner on Super Bowl Sunday, I meant yeah, we're going we're gonna to get some wings. We're going to order this pizza. I'm going to go and get some cupcakes, get, get some, get some, uh, get some cake. You know, pretty much nothing but junk food. And yeah, the kids loved it, you know, because pretty much we did nothing but junk food. And then on occasion, you know, the missus would, would make some empanadas. Well, what we know as empanadas now, we used to call them pastelillos or pastelillos. Yeah. Same thing, empanadas, pastelillos, same shit. You know, some pigs in a blanket. You know, we had all types of shit. So this year, even though my nest is damn near empty, I decided to pick up a recipe from YouTube. Yeah, I'm going on a tangent, but fuck it. Y'all already know what it is. I picked up a recipe from YouTube on Big Mac sliders. 
So that's what I made for the fam. And needless to say, they came out all right. Gave me a lot of gas, but they came out great. Probably got, get, got the gas because I am lactose intolerant and I put so much cheddar cheese on top of it. Yeah, my stomach was doing the one-two hustle in my tum-tum. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, besides that, like I said, the Super Bowl was Super Bowl was kind of boring. Did anybody notice that the, even a run-up to the Super Bowl was kind of lame? Usually the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, there's all types of stories. There's all types of scandals going on. There's a whole bunch of shit. Nothing really happened. Then we had the trade deadline smack dab in the middle of Super Bowl week, which took a lot of the luster off the NFL, which I was surprised to say so myself. The NFL is going to have to start rethinking shit. Because if you have the NBA having their trade deadline smack dab of the run-up of the biggest game of your league, yeah, the NFL is king. I think I think the numbers were sixty million sixty million people tuned in, and I might be underestimating that, but still, it just seems like to me the the luster was gone. But yeah, so damn, that's the end of the NFL season. That's the end of Donnie's salty thoughts in the NFL until what August September. Wow, it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Y'all gonna learn to listen and take heed that when Donnie Ooh predicts something, nine times out of ten, Maybe eight times out of ten, but no less than seven times out of ten. I'm going to be correct. And when I said, as long as, you know, as well as most of the pundits out there, as long as the experts or whatever. But when I said that the trade was going to go down, James Harden for Ben Simmons, Brooklyn, and the 76ers. Doing business with each other. What happened? What happened? What happened? Yeah, it came through. It came to fruition. And this is a rare case of it will benefit both teams. One in the short term and one, hopefully, probably in the long term. Short term. The Sixers will benefit because they can quote unquote say they have two of the top 20 players in the league. I don't personally believe James Harden is in the top 20 anymore. Yeah, maybe it's recency bias, but I never was one of the when a fan of his regardless. Especially since now they not calling that bullshit ass running into foul shit and he can't get to the line 20 times a game. You notice how his point per game average has gone down from the what? 
30s, now to the 20s, 21 a game, 22 a game. Yeah, you know, he, he has double-digit assists, but there was a time that he was dropping 34 a game with nine assists per. What happened? Anyway, there's, there's a lot to be said about James Harden and the fit or the potential strife that might happen with him and Joel Embiid. Matter of fact, I'm going to get to it now before I forget. Harden pushed his way out of Houston. I mean, pushed his way out of Brooklyn for a myriad of reasons. First and foremost, in his mind, in the mind of others, his discontent with the fact that the Nets allowed Kyrie to be a part-time player. First, he was pissed off that Kyrie didn't get stabbed in the arm. Then, he was pissed off that they allowed Kyrie to pretty much just play on the road. Meanwhile, he feel he feels that he's shouldering the, shouldering the load. Never mind the fact that since the beginning of the season, he had been mentally checked out. Came into came into training camp reportedly very, very overweight, very out of shape. Came into the season with his mind not fully engrossed in trying to grow the culture within the Brooklyn Nets, but more along the lines of trying to figure out ways of how he can get out of Brooklyn and into the loving, welcoming arms of Daryl Morey. There's a there's a clip that Jalen Jalen Rose always refers to. I believe the game was November fifth, and there was a tap ball back into the backcourt, and James Harden just looked at the ball while the opposing team picked it up and scored an uncontested layup. This is November fifth. Other words, like, I don't give a fuck about this team. As recently as the last road trip, the Western, the West Coast road trip, when they went against Sacramento, and he scored four points in 37 minutes. All of a sudden, he had a tight hamstring. The reports came out, I, I, I believe, courtesy of Bleacher Report, that, uh, After the game against San Antonio, he stayed in Houston. Then, when he joined the team, and when they was get when they was going against Utah, did not play in the game. Came midway through the game, and then did not accompany the team to the next stop. He decided to go to Vegas, which is well known to those who have been around James Harden. In recent years, whenever he goes to Utah, he goes to Vegas. Whenever he goes to California, i.e. Los Angeles, he stays stays out a couple of days if the schedule permits. Reports have come out that during the games in the huddle before Kevin Durant got hurt, that when Steve Nash called to play for Kevin Durant, James Harden rolled his eyes like, are you fucking serious? You're going 
You gonna draw up a play for this motherfucker? I mean, at the end of the day, what it boils down to, let's call a spade a spade. What it boils down to is James Harden, in all those years in Houston, had the run of the place because Daryl Morey was in charge. And as long as Daryl Morey was in charge, James Harden could do whatever the fuck he wanted to do. And he could try and experiment whatever the hell he wanted to do. He had Dwight Howard. Then he had Chris Paul. Then he had Russell Westbrook. Daryl Morey left. He said, I got to get out of here. Tillman Fatita was like, I'm not trading you to the 76ers. All right, I'll go to Brooklyn. He went to Brooklyn. But all the while, he wanted to get to Philadelphia. I told y'all this, man. He wanted to get out to Philadelphia to be in the loving, comforting arms of Mr. Daryl Morey. And you want to know why? Because he can do and get away with bloody murder. He will get paid. He will be able to travel on the team's dime. And will be able to live the best of both worlds. But that is going to be the potential conflict in Philly. Because... That franchise has been, and rightfully so, Joel Embiid's franchise. And like I've said in the past, I'm not the biggest fan of Joel Embiid, but he's doing the damn thing. So now you have president of basketball operations, baby boy, in tow. James Harden is going to he's going to put up the good fight to begin with. They're going to give him that super max. And then next year all the warts are going to come out, especially if they don't win this year. Because if they don't win this year, Joel is going to be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yo, this was my franchise. Why are y'all allowing this fat out of shape cocksucker to do this, to do that? We gave away we gave away Seth. We gave away a decent backup. We gave away draft picks for this dude that's not going to make my job easier. Like I said, it's going to work. It's going to work to the best of their abilities this season, this stretch run. And I wonder, and I just, I really wonder how much leash is Doc going to have in keeping James Harden in tow, intact, in line. That's going to be the interesting conflict. And trust and believe, because James, James Harden is such a passive-aggressive motherfucker. The reports were saying that he spent, especially the last two months, contacting various agents in the league affiliated with the league to find out to find ways on how he could force his way out of Brooklyn but in a way that there would be no blood on his hands 
So not only is he a lazy, ungrateful, snake in the grass motherfucker. He's a coward on top of that. Man. It's just that that's why he got that bid. Because he's ashamed to let the world know how ugly his face truly is. Allegedly. Cause y'all ain't suing me for slander. Ha. Allegedly. But now we go to the other end of the spectrum. And that's the Brooklyn Nets. They get Ben Simmons. But most importantly, they get Seth Curry. And they get Andre Drummond. And they get three potential cogs. Three pieces that they could put into their system. And once Durant comes back from injury. And hopefully Kyrie doesn't go down to injury. You have a defensive demon. A player that can guard all five positions on the court. Once Ben Simmons gets up to par physically. You have some... You have some you have some girth. You have some size down low finally with Andre Drummond. And you still have the outside sniper that is Seth Curry. So therefore, you don't have to worry about whether or not Joe Harris comes back and stinks it up in the playoffs. Albeit coming back off a major injury. You don't have to worry about whether or not Bruce Brown is going to be the truth. You have Cam Thomas. Showing and proving. Dropping 16, or should I say 19 in the fourth quarter against my New York Knickerbockers. And leading the Brooklyn Nets without Kyrie Irving. Without Ben Simmons. Without Ky um, Kevin Durant. Leading them back from the 28-point deficit in the garden, in the Mecca. Man, listen. Some bullshit. Anyway. You put those pieces in place and you have potentially long-term sustaining success. Kyrie, if Kyrie decides not to come back, if they decide not to bring Kyrie back, you have his money off the books to potentially lure somebody else in. And even without Kyrie, if you have KD on there, as much as I like to bullshit and I like to throw those stones at the Brooklyn Nets, you know, over this past season, there's two things that have changed. Matter of fact, there's one thing that's changed and there's one thing that's been persistent when it comes to my feelings with the Nets. Number one, like I said, last year in the postseason, I have no more slander when it comes to Kevin Durant on that court as a basketball player. None whatsoever. He is the best in the world at what the fuck he does on that court. And no matter what the perception of Kyrie may be, I respect that man for standing on his principles and standing on what he believes in in the face of of people thinking he's a damn fool. And I will give him the utmost respect for that. So, if they don't bring him back, like I said, you got you got a slot for him. You got a slot for somebody comparable. 
Ben Simmons is 25 years old. You put Ben Simmons and KD, Ben Simmons doesn't have to worry about shooting. He can just push the push the pace, push the floor, push the rock. So while Stephen A sometimes goes way and above, you know, just just going overboard with some of his declarations. I do agree with the fact that it was a fucked up move for the 76ers to trade Ben Simmons to the Brooklyn Nets. That's once again showing the utter disrespect that they have for Ben Simmons. Saying, you know what? We're going to let KD have you and mold you and potentially put that battery in the back and you might actually start shooting more. We're going to let we're going to let KD have him. Because we still going to bust his ass in the division. And I bet in the next three, at least the next three years, 76ers are going to rue the day that they made this deal with the Brooklyn Nets. And I'm going to rue the day that they made this deal, for the, this deal with the Brooklyn Nets. And before I go, because I was about to sign off, the fucking Knicks, like I said, nine games Below 500. 12th place in the Eastern Conference. Four and a half games out of a play-in position. Which, once again, I'll say is fool's gold. What are we going to do? There's, there's rumors that saying that the hierarchy of the New York Knicks, Leon Rose, World Wide West, is angling and maybe trying to persuade James Dolan in not allowing Tibbs to honor his contract and finish out the season. And even if he does finish out the season, damn sure don't bring him back next season. And while my emotions would say, "Yeah, that's right, get the fuck, to, get the fuck, to, uh, get Tibbs the fuck out of here," no, 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 no. You cannot do that. You want to know why you can't do that? Because who are you going to bring in to replace Tibbs? Think about it. Who are you going to bring him in? Who, who are you going to bring in? Every coach we have brought in since Mike Woodson, who coincidentally was on the staff last season when they had them best success since 2013 when Mike Woodson was the head coach. Mike Woodson left to become the head coach of his alma mater in uh, Indiana University. Since then, it seems like everything is blown up in the New York Knicks face. Makes you wonder, was Mike Woodson more responsible for the success last year than Tibbs? I believe it's twofold. It's a combination of Tibbs has the X and the O's, especially on the defensive end. Mike Woodson was able to relate with the majority of the roster. Well, I should say the roster that was not familiar with Tibbs, i.e. Taj Gibson, 
and D. Rose, Derek Rose. I think he was able to relate to her quickly, to calm to Obi Toppin down, to calm Mitchell Robinson down. Now that that re, that relating ear is not there. He was able to let Randall know, like, yo, all right, if you hot, run it. If you're not hot, move the ball. Right now, you know, I, I mean, yeah. Julius Randall, I believe the stat has been, over the last six games, he's averaged 28, 28 a game. 28, 8, and 8. Something to that effect. And in those last five, six games, they're about one in five. They beat Golden State. That's it. They lost to OKC. They lost to Utah. They lost to the Lakers. They lost to Brooklyn. They lost to Portland. One in five in the last six games. Once again, I'm getting that eerily familiar feeling of looking well back then i was looking at the newspaper but now i'll look in the app at the standings and the new york knicks win total stays the same for about three weeks there was times in the get in the days of david lee and nate robinson and shannon fry and chris duhan we would be like 14 and 18 even in the recent times the Pazingas and the Mellow and the D Rose first first inclination or first intuition. We was like 14 and 18. It's like, yeah, we number seven in the in the East before Christmas. And next thing you know, in the January, that 14 and 18 to turn into 18 and 35. <laughs> and I'm getting that feeling before feeling now. We were 24 and 27. And now we're 27 and 39. Yeah, 27 and 39 or 27 and 38. Some shit like that. I said we had nine games below. So we're 27 and 36. Doesn't matter. It just seems like we should be like at least 29 and 30. Two games here, two games there. Nope, nope, nope. Like I said, I like I said in the intro, I, I feel bad because I really just want to do away with this team. Don't give them no fucking shine whatsoever. But New York's Knicks colors run in my blood. And as much as I like to talk shit about the gentrification nets, I cannot continue to talk shit about the gentrification nets without showing some love and respect to my New York Knickerbockers. And now with with the NFC yeah now with the NFL now with the NFL season coming to a close damn i didn't expect that to be the fucking tongue twister but now with it coming to a close i have nothing but time on my hands to devote to the destruction the self destruction of the new york Nickabacus. These fuckers are trash. These 
players and ass teams and leads can get into They all feel my wrath, especially in some bread laws And they cost me cash, I really got me tight Cause these fuckers are trash, these fuckers are trash These players and ass teams and leads can get into They all feel the wrath, especially in some bread laws And they cost me cash, they really got me tight Cause these fuckers are trash Well, on this week's installment of the rapidly becoming popular, matter of fact, the most popular segment in podcasting history, these fuckers are trash. Ooh, that sounded more like Vince McMahon. No, must do a redo. Well, this week's installment of the rapidly becoming popular. The matter of fact, the most popular segment in podcasting history. They fucking trash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 much more. That's that's more like it. <sighs> yeah, I, f- I feel I feel I feel re- reinvigorated. I feel energized. I feel like. I'm, I'm, I'm about to puke. Damn, Vince McMahon came back again. Anyway, this week on These Fuckers of Trash, I have a couple contenders on the top of the list. One, one specifically dealing with this past Sunday's Super Bowl Victory slash loss, not giving it away yet, but he does have connections to the Big Apple. The other contender dribbles a ball for a living. Some would say dribbles the ball way too damn much. He has facial recognition worldwide. Almost as wide as his ever-expanding gut. And then the last contender, because I'm keeping it short and sweet this week. Let's say, hmm, they're one of the most popular colors in the rainbow. They have various, various amounts of different hues. Some would say this particular hue is used when you're feeling a little under the weather, when you're feeling down. So, out of those three contenders, being the fact I never gave the names in neither one, can you figure out which of the contenders are which? Well, well, the first one would be Eli Apple. Yeah, he's been dodging me the whole postseason, but finally he is in my crosshairs. You want to know why? Because Eli Apple got totally torched on the game-winning drive of the Los Angeles Rams that ultimately won them the world champion, won them the Super Bowl championship, won them the Super Bowl trophy, the Vince Lombardi trophy. And ultimately cost me 
a couple bucks in my pocket. Eli Apple couldn't cover a fucking cold. He couldn't cover a naked human being laying in the bed. Probably why he don't got no kids. Allegedly. Yeah, I know. I know. What is what is to be said? This mother effer, like I said, cost me some bread because he didn't know an out route was coming. Like, really, he didn't know an out route was coming from Cooper Cup. That's eerily reminiscent of, I believe, a game against, hmm, the Bucks. Eerily reminiscent of a game against, hmm, the Cardinals. How many times have they run that play for touchdowns? I, I, I swear, the contender shouldn't be Eli Apple because it was only a matter of time before he entered the protocol. The, the contender really should be the defensive coordinator who put him in position to be exploited as everybody was waiting on. So that's contender number one. Contender number two, whose hairline is expanding as well as his waistline, would be none other than James Harden, coward ass. James Harden, in less than, well, a little over 13 months, forced his way out of two teams, forced his way out of two franchises, forced his way out of two major markets. And he, and one in Houston, he left, he left a, a empty shell of his prior glory in Brooklyn. He actually left in his wake a better team, a better world around the team than when he was a part of that damn team. So you will wonder, well, why would he be trash? Well, because his whole aura is trash. His whole game is trash. His whole style is trash. He couldn't just be man up. And be like, look, yo, you my boy and all, but this shit ain't working. I ain't fucking with your boy, who coincidentally isn't my boy, even though he tried to make it work last year when you was out. But shit wasn't going to rock this year, and I need to go about my merry way. But no, up until the 11th hour, he was still, yeah, I still want to be here. Finally, KD gave, gave the heads up, gave the thumbs up like, yeah, get him the fuck out of here before we end up getting stranded. Brooklyn gave up a total of seven first round picks. Four first town first round picks and three first round pick swaps. Which is ridiculous. And they only recouped two. Now, and Ben Simmons, like I said in the pro, in which called previously in this in this episode, if Ben Simmons got his head on straight, they would be better in the long run. But it's just the fact that James Harden doesn't give a fuck about anybody but himself. And meanwhile, well, I should say, and while normally. That would be characteristics I would admit, I would admire because those are characteristic of a heel. See how I bring that shit 306 degrees full circle? 
in this case, that makes James Harden a piece of shit and a contender to be not only a piece of trash, but an all-around dirty motherfucker. And last but not least, but because what would this list be at the end and the conclusion of this NFL season if I didn't include by proxy of Eli Apple, once again, the New York football giants. That's right. Y'all should have seen it coming. The New York football giants are fucking trash because y'all allow Eli Apple to be birthed into this league by drafting him. And by drafting him, y'all ultimately released him. And then he ultimately got released numerous times and ended up on the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl, which I bet, eh, some type of money on. And ultimately, Eli Apple prevented me from getting that money. So you see, once again, how this shit comes full circle. The whole fucking season. I told y'all, I told the masses that the New York football giants were trash. And you know why they're trash? Because at the end of the day, which... Actually, it's kind of apropos being the fact that I've been trashing them the whole season. They cost me at the end some bread. So on this edition, the final NFL edition, but not the final edition of these fuckers of trash. The winner. The winner. Is the New York football giants. And you know what the New York football giants get? You know what they're recipient of? They're recipient of Donnie Ooh saying, They fuckers are trash! Trash, I said! Well, people, that brings us to the end of another edition of the Salty Thoughts of Donnie Ooh podcast. As always, I'd like to thank each and every one of y'all for making me and making this here podcast the one that y'all choose to listen to. Once again, do not forget, be on the lookout for a bonus episode coming sometime this week. And also, don't forget that this will be the day and time that you can expect a new episode of the Salty Thoughts of Donnie Ooh. Late Saturday night slash early Sunday morning. Once again, late Saturday night slash early Sunday morning. Yeah. Next week, I guess I will be concentrating my salty thoughts and my salty views and venom on the NBA product. Specifically, the New York Knickerbockers. I'll be trying to figure out what the fuck the gentrification nets are up to. And I will give an update on my side chick, you know, the Golden State Warriors. All that and more. And somehow, some way, I will find a contender to the title of these fuckers of trash. Like I said, all that and more next week. So without further ado, not to string this out any longer, 
Hit on the plugs. Easytree.me slash Rodadani Oo. Easytree.me slash Rodadani Oo for everything Donny Oo. This podcast you're hearing can be reached at easytree.me slash Rodadani Oo. Salty Thoughts of Donny Oo podcast merch can be bought at easytree.me slash Rodadani Oo. And once again, if you want to hear some classic Donny Oo music, because Donnie Oo is not making not one new fucking song for the public consumption ever, at least at this time, you can listen to those classics at easytree.me slash worldadonnieoo. As always, if you take my art, if you take my RSS feed and insert it in your podcasting apparatus, you know what'll happen. That's right. Donnie Oo's black ass will pop up in said feed. The Salty Thoughts of Donnie Oo podcast can be reached and can be heard on various streaming platforms wherever podcasting is available. Spotify, even though I don't know, I might have to take my shit off Spotify, but I might ha- that that kind of brings me to a quandary because I actually use an app that sponsored or owned by Spotify. Hmm, I don't know. Either way, Spotify for the time being, Apple Podcasts, and um, like I said, whatever streaming platform where podcasting is available. And when you go to that streaming platform, you know, press the like button, press the subscribe button, press the notification button. So whenever I drop You'll know. And you'll be the first one to hear Donnie Ooze crazy ass. Yeah. I think those are the plugs for me. Now the plugs for others. Check out the homies at the Black Rastin Podcast. Check out the homies. Fam, Cal, Math, Drip. Check them out on YouTube. Like and subscribe. Check them out on YouTube. Like and subscribe. Also, check out... Half of the homies from the Black Rastin Podcast on Where's Buffy, the Where's Buffy Podcast. Also available on YouTube, like and subscribe. And you can also listen to them wherever podcasting is available on streaming platforms. Ha ha ha! Check out my brother, the Mojo King. Check out my brother, the Mojo King and his Hidden Gems Golf, where he unearths all the hidden gems in the world of fantasy golf. I've been saying this for months on end. Even if you do not deal with fantasy golf and you just deal with fantasy sports in general, listen to my man, listen to my bro, the Mojo King, and you will get some coin for your pocket because trust me, I've already listened to him and I already had some coin in my pocket. Check out the brother, the Mojo King, and his other podcast, which I'm not going to lie, Mojo. You're making me out to be a liar. Come on. Where's this episode two? Like, episode two that I'm talking about is Hip Hop Hidden Gems. Hip Hop Hidden Gems, where the Mojo King and his partner, Willie Freeman, unearthed all the hidden gems 
in the world, in the history of hip-hop. I believe one of the hidden gems that we, they will finally unearth is finally have a release date for this second episode of Hip-Hop Hidden Gems. Haha. Check both of those podcasts on all streaming platforms. Check them out on YouTube, the YouTube page of the 19 Media Group. You know why the 19 Media Group? Because these two podcasts belong and they are part of the 19 Media Group. Check out Gimmick Infringement. Check out Gimmick Infringement. Check out The Dudes, Winchester and McDowell where they cover the past week in the world of pro wrestling. Check them out. You'll be glad you did. They are also part of the 19 Media Group. One extra plug this week. One extra plug this week. For all my NBA statisticians out there, and I don't even mean that at a slight, for everyone that wants to get into nookie and crannies of what's going on on the hardwood today, check out the NBA Baseline podcast. Check out the NBA Baseline podcast. You know what? You know where they're part of. You know who they're part of. Do I need to say? Do I really need to say? I guess so. They're part of the nineteen media group. <laughs> I swear, I, I, I try a different way to spice these fucking plugs up because it's almost like a stick for me, you know? Also, this, I guess you can say this is the PSA. The plugs or the various podcasts that I plug on this podcast myself, which is mine, which is the Salty Thoughts of Donnie. Oh, y'all know what the hell I'm talking about. The podcasts that I plug are podcasts that I personally enjoy and I feel that y'all would enjoy also. So it's almost like an endorsement of yours truly. There's no quid pro quo. There's no, yeah, you do this for me, I do this for you. This is strictly from my point of view. This is strictly because the fact that being the fact I do podcasts and I like listening to other podcasts. I think other people would like to listen to other podcasts as well. And you know what I'm trying to say because I'm rambling, rambling, rambling. And you know when I start rambling, you know what time it usually brings. It's time for me to get the hell up out of here. Until next week. Goodbye. Bye. Don't feel as good as it look. I'ma keep it real with you. I'm straight though. The street shit made me what I am today, niggas. Nah, I went so hard for this shit. I deserve this shit, nigga. Ah, what you coming, nigga? This ain't my story about rags to riches. More about how I mastered physics. In a game I used to train like Rocky. Catching chickens. I was nice, but they was right when they told me that rapper business. I had 10 bands in my stash when I passed over half a million. Come easy, no good. Don't be surprised I'll last these niggas. It's like they put out a smash, then they gone in a flash, admit it. 
And then they make tracks and disses like that's gonna add up the digits They showing fake racks and pictures like that's gonna attract the bitches That was really me, nigga, I ain't have to act and conflict it Only difference is I'm living And I would've whacked one of them niggas who knew that after drug dealing I still be casual, spending mil plus annual income So here's my manual, then some And this Eastside shit stealing me, my ability to turn words to imagery Probably the reason they gon' remember me Figure we walk this tightrope with a feline's agility The streets did so much shit to me I could never live civilly I could never leave the scene without checking my mirrors visually <clears throat> Come with that energy cause some shit gon' always stick with me They wanna know what I brought to Griselda I say validity They asking what work that niggas put in I'm like, but didn't we? Problems? Then I correct through the obstacles I progress Illogical for them to feel they responsible for our success Besides Kanye West, tell me who else I gotta respect Cause I'm kinda perplexed, it's about time that I got my respect It's the butcher, nigga Let's go About time that I got my respect, it's the butcher, nigga Yeah Cold fucking world Griselda shit, know what I mean? You know what it is, nigga When I show up On the night I was born, the rain was pouring, God was crying, lightning struck, power out, his sparks was flying, the real ones here, the young boy that walked with lions, around the outlines of chalk, where the corpse is lying, of course I'm trying, the revive a sport that's dying, but the guns and the drug bars that y'all are lying, got these nerves thinking that you niggas hard as iron, but that just mean I ain't as comfortable as y'all with lying, stretching the truth, no I never stress in the booth, they feel the pressure me, I feel like I just left a masseuse Effortless, how I'm skating on these records is proof I put your favorite rapper neck in the noose Never letting them loose Cold world, the heat a blast to your speaker He the last of Mohicans, no weakness last in my sneakers Nigga want me on the song, he gon' see the wrath of the reaper I'm probably gon' go to hell if Jesus asked for a feature I'm higher than niggas, it don't need a bag full of reefer Some see the glass, is empty, I see a glass full of ether Collecting his bread and mass like he a Catholic preacher Just to count a nigga cash, you might need a calculus teacher Eureka! Einstein on the brink of the theory of relativity Really no MC equal Feel me coping be lethal Crip like an old MTV show uh. On God, the best rapper alive Headshot, not going ass The best rappers that died They tell you he never lied, nigga yeah. talk
sure she was straight. Let's go. My only fear is going out like Ricky. Tried to do it to me once, so I ride with the blicky. Kept it a hundred, even when they kept it fifty. Hundred pounds of peanut butter, and I ain't talking about Snippy. Gotta run it up with the rap or trap. Just make sure whatever you love, loves you back. I'm in love with this, I'm in love with that. I'm in love with drug money, I'm in love with rap. Got a couple hitters with me, and they love to clap. But all I really wanna know is where the love is at. I'm in love with this, I'm in love with that. I'm in love with drug money, I'm in love with rap. Got a couple hitters with me, and they love to clap. I was in love with a pussy till I found out that it stink I'm in love with the liquor, I'm okay with my health I used to have love for niggas, now I'm loving myself I used to bag up raw, I had work on the scale They look away when you talk and then the love ain't real I'm in love with New York, not so much with the cops I grew up with my moms, I ain't fuck with my pops Social media driven, she in love with a phone Plastic surgery getting, still living at home Yeah, I knew him for years, he still came with his glove Shooting like he ain't know us, so nigga fuck your love I'm in love with this, I'm in love with that I'm in love with drug money, I'm in love with rap Got a couple hitters with me and they love the yeah. crap But all I really wanna know is yeah. where the love is yeah. at I love rap, but I can still get it rockin' a day In a trap with a pot stove, a long clock and a safe Stay down, never complain about what you got on your plate You get a good run when it come from out of the states Five years from the day, that's when my plug was Simeon Fell out of love with the game when I fell in love with India I was knee deep though, spending the dub was minimal I'm in love with this, I'm 